Now presenting. And I'm so sick of people saying that that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. The Cinema Chicks Podcast. Maybe I'm one of those people that has always wanted to do it, but it's like a pipe dream. Totally by guess. Snap out of it. Starring Hope Johansson. I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And Madeline Rancourt. Yeah, Call me Ladybird like Christine. you said you would. Hey, I'm Hope. Hey, I'm Madeline. And we are the Cinema Chicks. Hope, what have you watched recently? Well, it is October, so that means it's spooky season. But not too spooky. You don't do horror. Well, <laughs> I am trying to mm -hmm. break out of my box, get out of my comfort zone, and open myself up to new genres, especially because I think as a director it's interesting to see how different people do it with different genres and different stories we tell mm -hmm. so i watched a scary movie and i'm proud of you thank you it was very difficult i honestly there were there were chunks of time that i did not look at the screen for this one uh mm. the movie i watched was sinister from 2012 starring the one and only ethan hawk i need to watch this it yeah i had no idea he was the the lead in it i love ethan hawk um he he's the very beautiful man in this film and he has a <laughs> british wife for some reason and it doesn't oh. make a ton of sense but you mm. know what we'll let it go it works so basically plot of sinister he is a writer author who writes about unsolved mysteries and then solves them himself and sells like best-selling books because of it and he usually makes his family move into the area of wherever these like crazy murders happened uh and this oh. time he makes his family move into the house that uh this family was murdered in and he's trying to solve the mystery and then he finds this box of old film which documents the murders of all of these families over like six or seven decades okay Turns out they're all linked, spoiler alert, because of this really scary creature, Mr. Boogie. Well, Mr. Boogie. Oh my gosh. I literally cannot look at the thing's face. It's I'm searching so this. freaking scary. Madeline, don't do it. You're going to die. It's horrifying. Oh. And <laughs> oh. yeah, so he, you, through, throughout the course of the Why film. Why is his name Mr. Boogie? It, because. <laughs> Well, I, I won't spoil all of it. Maybe oh. I'll do a bonus episode about it. But anyway. Oh um, but yeah, I like couldn't look at his face. I got like a glimpse of it in the footage. And that was enough. And I was like, Is it? no. So I would like always be prepared to, you know, like throw my hands up. But then at the very last seconds of the film, right before it like cuts to the credits, I don't know how they did this, especially for back in like 2012. But it looks like He's like superimposed on top of the movie itself. Oh. And he pokes his head into the screen no. and it takes up the entire screen. No. That How did you do this? I'm proud of you. That was one of the worst moments of my life. Oh my God. But overall, I have to say, I was thoroughly impressed by this film mm. for being made in 2012 for having, you know, somewhat of a good storyline. I mean, some of the writing was 
not the best I've ever heard in my life, mm. but really stunning cinematography and direction. And Good. and the colors worked fantastic. Ethan Hawke wouldn't be in something bad. Exactly. Maybe he has. But... I mean, some of the lines he said, I was like, okay, buddy, how <laughs> did you need to make the bills this month? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but really a visually pleasing film. So that that was what I did. We got to get into what you've been watching, Madeline. Oh, my God. Because that's what the episode is about today. Yes, it is. This is the New York Film Festival recap part two. This is the final recap. The festival as of today has officially, officially wrapped. And it was so, so much fun. I had such a wonderful time. I'm already like so excited for next year. That's ridiculous because it's literally in like 365 days. But, you know, that's that's what happens. Like the Oscars end and I'm like, what's going to happen next year? Because it's exciting because, okay, like in sports, you know, it's always going to be the same teams, but it's like there's going to be new films next year, but that I don't even know about yet. Maybe some of the players will be the same. Maybe we'll get some of the same directors, actors. Exactly. Exactly. We can count on Pedro. He's going to be there. He's uh, This year was his third consecutive year. Um, so I'm sure he's going to be there. He's played the festival 13 times. Maybe Timothy Chalamet will be there with something because Probably. he was there with well, he wasn't there, but his films were there, which was rude, but it's okay. I forgive him. Whatever. But French Dispatch and Dune were both there. Tilda Swinton had the souvenir memoria and French dispatch. And I saw her, I sat right above her in a box. Oh, I have a photo. I'll show you. Oh, and she wasn't wearing a mask during parallel mothers, but that's besides the point. She put it on right as it ended. And I was like, girl, you ain't smooth. I saw you the whole time. See, she's giving a standing ovation. She's wearing her mask there, but like clearly Miss Tilda. Also, I was sitting in a box and I was taking notes because I'm going to write a paper on it for my class and my pen rolled off and in my head, I like to think that it rolled off and hit Tilda Swinton in the head. I love that. Not that I have anything against her. I just want her to like have a piece of me <laughs> from the sky. And she's like, where'd this pen come from? No, this it's is a good pen. I'm it's from the it. peasants in the box. It was a good pen. I'm sad I lost it, but it's okay. I forgive. Tilda has it. You're welcome. The gods my pens. Yeah, exactly. You're welcome, Tilda. You can enjoy my, my pen that rolled off and fell onto your head. Anyways, where we left off last week was about halfway into the festival and I had seen The Lost Daughter, which I did not enjoy. I'm very interested for you to see it. I can't wait. I talked to another girl who went to the festival. She also didn't like it for all the same reasons. We think that the handheld sort of style of the cinematography, I think, was supposed to feel personal, but it wasn't. Whatever. If you want to hear my review on it, you can listen to me speak about it and rant about it at Ignosium in our previous episode. So go check that out. But this week, we're talking about the second half of films that I saw, which kicked off at Red Rocket, which I saw right after I saw The Lost Daughter. It is Sean Baker's newest release. If you saw The Florida Project, I can pretty much guarantee that you're going to love this. It takes place in another impoverished area but this time instead of orlando florida it's a small town in texas and it follows a ex-porn star who uh yeah you're laughing for the right reasons it's such a funny guy oh it's hilarious it's so good it's so good i loved it he is an ex-porn star he moves back to this small town in texas to go live with his wife who he's separated from and her mother and he kind of falls in love with this young girl who works at the donut shop nearby and I mean I would say this was a movie that kind of showed me 
everyone has their own boundaries, obviously. And that comes from your own lived experiences. I talked to another girl who saw the film and she said she had to leave the theater midway because it was uncomfortable watching him with this young girl. I mean, she's played by like a 27 year old actress, first time actress. I think she wanted to be an actress, but they had a Q&A after with Sean Baker and literally like everybody in the cast was like, um, literally one person was like, uh, Sean found me from, uh, I was walking my dog on the side of the road. It literally That's wild. Crazy. He found this young girl who plays Strawberry literally at a movie theater in LA. She had moved to LA like three days prior. I want to say she probably moved so that way she could be an actress, but I'm not positive. I loved it, but it is touching upon like predatorial issues. And I mean, to me, it wasn't so uncomfortable because she doesn't look super young. So it wasn't like shocking, but you do know that her character's young. And he keeps saying in it kind of how like, oh, your nickname's Strawberry, like you should be in pornos too. And that's kind of where it all leads. But overall, loved, loved, loved this film. Obviously, it's going to talk about some heavy topics. Florida Project does the same. But I was really, really impressed with this film. And I can't wait for more people to see it. It was such a good time. Also, I was sitting in between two film bros the whole time, which was very <laughs> uncomfortable. And one guy like literally kept making comments, actually had his hands in his pants at one point, And I don't understand why. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was gross. Uh, then he picked his nose. He like cheered when the A24 sign came on. And I was like, please stop. Like, just let it be. We know it's A24. I love A24 too, but I'm not going to clap for that. Like, Let's chill. But yeah, I believe the film comes out in December. I can't wait for you to see it. We definitely have to review it because it was such a wonderful time. After that, I saw Vortex, which was this incredible, incredible French film. I loved it. Once again, I talked to some people at the festival that didn't love it, but that's how every film goes. It is about a couple. The wife has dementia and the husband has like heart failure. And pretty much from the beginning you see them lying in bed and there's like this black border around it. And from the center, it starts sort of like dripping and it creates a split screen for the rest of the film. And this was, oh, it was incredible. It was incredible. When I read that in the description, I was like, there's no way that this can work. Like why would they need to have a split screen the entire time? Because I've never seen a film do that before. No, I've seen split screens, but not for the whole film. It was incredible because he's writing a book, The Husband, about like, film and dreams and psychology and you see him go to his office and tell his wife who has dementia like stay right there do this while I'm working and then you see her leave and you see him just still working but not even knowing that she left that's insane it was it was really really well done and then the moments that they're together in the same room was just different angles I loved it I thought that this was really really beautiful it was interesting because at the beginning the director was not there but the man presenting the film said oh I spoke to the director before and he said if he could tell the audience one thing it would be get ready to cry or something along the lines of be prepared to cry so the whole time I was sitting there and I was like oh my god I'm gonna cry oh my god it's gonna be devastating oh my god I'm gonna cry which I think in turn made me not cry but I did not cry during this and I think it's also because the French grieve differently. Mm -hmm. I think if this was an American film, we would have this like sobbing breakdown on the floor, sort of like, I don't know what to do with myself. Not the person not really taking care of themselves anymore. Sort of montage scene. 
but we didn't get that in this. It was sort of melodramatic, but I think it was also really truthful in that way about like, that's how people in other cultures grieve and not everybody has, you know, the, the freedom also to do so. I really enjoyed it. And I also, I love seeing older people on the screen I think it's it's really beautiful and I I just also love seeing it from an actor's standpoint because I'm like, yes, longevity of a career. Yeah. And it was really beautiful. The director, he said that it was hard to get actors for this because he really was inspired to create this. Um, his mother passed away from dementia and he, during the pandemic, had, I, I think he was saying he had a plan to make another film, but this seemed more intimate and it seemed mm -hmm. easier to do during it, but it was really hard to find old actors yeah. to act during the pandemic with the crew and everything. Um, but he had admired the lady who plays his lead. He had admired her work for a while and she's in this film and it was really, really wonderful. And he also said like, this is a universal topic and there's only a handful of films that discuss it. He mentioned The Father, which was very similar to The Father. Another favorite. Another favorite. Beautiful, beautiful film. And yeah, I, I think that it is a topic that's not spoken up about a lot. And he was also saying like, because it was the pandemic, it was kind of convenient for him to do a subject that he knew a lot about because of his mother. It was really, really beautiful. And the son in it plays a really big part so hearing that he's had that experience as a son was really really touching and I think that it was a great example of like using life for art I don't want to say using your trauma for art which is also a thing, in the, a thing in the arts but it was it was really well done after that I saw The Power of the Dog which was directed by Jane Campion and it's starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst and this is a Western. It's going to be on Netflix. It's a Western? Yeah. The cinematography is stunning. The cinematography is beautiful. The ending I was a little bit confused on. And it took me some time. I had to talk to some other people that saw it to fully understand. And then we kind of broke it down. We're like, oh, that's why that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now the puzzle pieces make sense. It's coming together. I understand it. I haven't made up my mind yet if I like that sort of ending. Like, mm -hmm. do I want to leave the theater still confused? And then it wasn't hard to understand, but like then put the pieces together by talking to others. Was it not clear on purpose? Was it clear and I just missed that? Was it just sloppy at the end? I don't, I don't know. Was the editing weird? Because honestly, like the pieces that I wasn't piecing together, <laughs> the pieces that I was not piecing <laughs> together. It could have been because of the editing and just the order of the shots or what they didn't show from this or that angle. So, I mean, that made sense, but um, I'm still trying to figure that out. It's going to be out on Netflix. I'm sure a lot of people will see it. I want to say this is again another – a lot of these are coming out in December, so a lot of these are going to be, I'm sure, big movies people are going to watch around the holidays, especially if they're going to mm. be on streaming services. So this was one that I saw. It was not my favorite. It was not my least favorite. I thought it had some really great moments. Um, it's based on a book. And it was very clear that it was based on a book. It also has sort of like chapters and title cards. So yeah, I would I would definitely say check this out. Because it's going to be on Netflix. It's going to be easy for people to access. 
Um, give it a shot. It's beautiful cinematography. Beautiful score by Johnny Greenwood. I love him. He did the score for Phantom Thread, which I'm forever obsessed with, forever listening to The House of Woodcock on repeat, always. Um, I would definitely say check this one out. Not the best of the festival, but also not the worst. The next that I saw was, I would say, Ekata but I've heard people say it very differently. It's an Italian film and it is about a 15-year-old girl. It's a very interesting coming of age. She finds out that her dad is in the mafia and it was really interesting. It was one that I kind of saw on a whim. It wasn't one that I would usually go for, Um, but overall it was well done, sort of more of a documentary style and the director was there and he spoke before and after the film and said how he himself comes from a family that's black and Italian and at holiday parties he would hear his grandfather who creates Italian commercials talk about film and he never really had much of an interest in them and then he got to college and he was like, oh, actually, this is what I want to study. And he moved back to Italy and he lived in this town and met the people and was making films. And he's made kind of a series of films there. And while he was living there, he talked to a lot of the people that lived there and kind of was like, what would you want to see in a mafia film? And all of them were saying all the, you know, classic tropes of like, ooh, like this big gun scene and you know cousin joey and all this stuff and you know the uncle tony and all these things that he didn't connect with because he said he didn't actually see that where he lived and those are just you know these sort of fake ideas of what the mafia is and how it's so prevalent and you see it all the time and he's like i definitely saw the mafia but it wasn't in that way um so he kind of told himself if he ever made a film about it he wanted it to be an accurate representation and I really feel like this was the most like crazy thrilling thing that happens is like some cars are set on fire which he was saying he has seen happen and he had this young actress who had came in for an audition for one of his earlier films and he kind of clocked her and was like okay I'm gonna want her for my next film so he kind of stuck around her and paid attention to what she was doing and then when it came time to make this film, he had her in it and the credits rolled and everyone in the audience was like, oh my God, oh my God, because everyone has the same last name. And he said during the Q&A, like everyone is her family. That's and amazing. Yeah, it was kind of what really, idea. yeah, it was really cool. And he was like, the biggest thing is like, we just really wanted her to feel comfortable on the set. And there are like quite a few birthday party scenes in this. And he's like, we just through parties for her family and filmed and let them go and we just wanted it to be really real and his whole thing is like I he doesn't like his films to feel like being on a film set and he just kind of wants to record what's happening and I found that really beautiful and it was nice to hear that because I, I did see that translate through the film which was I think exciting I always like to hear the director's vision and be like yes that that worked mm -hmm. <laughs> you you executed what you wanted so that was really exciting the next film that i saw i've quite literally been waiting for since 2018 and it did not disappoint me it was the french dispatch oh my gosh Wes anderson's newest release hope okay for the 20th millionth time we will be reviewing this 
at the end of this month. At the end of the month. At the end of the month. I'm so excited. Oh my god. This was so good. It's based on articles from the new yorker which wes anderson has said in an interview with the new yorker that he's obsessed with has a million and bajillion copies of it and then he also loves their like super extensive database and website that has a bunch of copies and articles on there but this is wonderful i loved it it's whimsical as most wes anderson films are the structure of it is amazing it's basically them making one of the the issues for the French Dispatch. And it goes chapter by chapter, basically, article by article, section by section. And you get a story and you get a glimpse of it. And it's, it's like vignettes. And I love it. I will be watching this on repeat. I love Wes Anderson. I love everything French, which I'm sure I've talked about enough on the podcast, but I knew that I would love this. And honestly, I went in with high hopes and I left, I left very satisfied. Um, Is it perfect? No. Is, is there any perfect film? I don't think so, but I loved it. And I really, really can't wait to rewatch it because I, I had the opportunity to see it again this week and I wanted to give it a little bit of time. I didn't want to, you know, just keep bombarding myself with the same films over and over, especially because <laughs> I had plenty of other things that I saw. But I'm excited to rewatch it when we talk about it, have a little space with it. Maybe I'm, you know, talking about it with rose-colored glasses because I just was like thrilled to be there and to see it. But you know, my gut reaction was that I loved it. And I think I'm going to stay true to that. The next film that I saw was after the French Dispatch, the same day I was not planning on seeing this, but it was Passing, which is directed by Rebecca Hall. And I worked the red carpet for this, which was so exciting. Oh my God. Yeah. So I worked the red carpet at it. And then I was like, oh, I should try and see this because like, I don't know. This seems good. It's going to be on Netflix. I'm so excited for this one. I absolutely cannot wait. Yeah. Oh. And again, we're going to have to review it because it's going to be, I mean, I, 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 I won't even say it's going to be good. I know it is good. This, I immediately wrote a letterbox review for and a guy commented on it and he basically was like, you should fact check kind of in, in nicer terms because I had originally said in it like, oh, this was wonderful, but a white woman directed it. And it's directed by Rebecca Hall. And Rebecca Hall is biracial and her mother is black. And I think that she's the perfect person to tell this story about passing. And the film, if anybody doesn't know the film or the book, it's about these two friends from childhood and they meet up years and years later and they're both black and they live in Harlem. And one of them is passing as a white woman and her husband doesn't know that she is black. And this was a very important film. I'm so happy that it's coming out right now. And they did a beautiful job. It's shot in black and white. And that just creates this wonderful contrast. And I think it heightens the subject matter so much. It was short. I want to say it was like an hour and a half. Wow. Um, But it's a short book. It is a very short book, which I love it's one of the most beautiful things i've ever read great great read yeah Uh, i'll have to read it i should read it before i i rewatch it again you could do it in a day easy oh okay good yeah it's it's on it well it's going to be on netflix so accessible for a lot of people again i want to maybe i'm just you know 
assuming everything's coming out in December, but I want to say this is coming out in December. I'm not positive, but I'm hoping that families will get around and watch this. And I think that it can create a really interesting conversation for people. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. The next thing that I saw at the festival was France starring Lea Sudu and... I didn't enjoy this one. No. <laughs> no, it's about a French news anchor named France. <laughs> and it was it was comedic. And there were a lot of really funny moments where it like shows these sort of like behind the scenes of like a journalist. And she's like telling the members of ISIS like, okay, can we get one more shot of you like shooting that gun? It's It's really funny. There were funny moments like that. But then she also like has an affair but then her husband and son die in a car accident and she she like breaks the fourth wall and like cries directly to the camera like a million and a half times but like that's the only way we see her grieving and then she has a lot of these like career pivotal moments but then we kind of like hear that they're important but then move on she's a girl boss in this and this just wasn't what i wanted Okay. No. Yeah. It just, it, it wasn't it. I talked to people who liked it. But yet again, to my point, people will like it. Some people won't. The next thing that I saw, though, was Jane by Charlotte, which is a documentary oh, about Jane Birkin yes. shot by her daughter, Charlotte. And this was really, really beautiful. I love Jane Birkin. I, again, love everything French. And it was a really nice documentary i want i think it's going to be on hbo max because they said it was being presented by hbo but hbo is like a sponsor of the festival um or a partner of the festival i don't know um contributing and this was really nice it's about a mother-daughter relationship it also at the end kind of leaves it this note of like charlotte's aware that her mother's getting older and she won't always be there there's also this like other generation where you're seeing charlotte's daughter and her relationship with her grandmother so it's kind of just this really beautiful film about her just wanting to talk to her mom and like Mm. learn more about her and discover things and hear about her life and there was this weird moment however at the beginning of the film I mean it was a little bit endearing but it was weird where Jane is talking to Charlotte and she's like basically saying how and also I, I I took into consideration that the French are very different about nudity Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like where are you going with this but she basically says like they're got to an age where jane was curious about charlotte's body and like what it looked like at that point and she asked charlotte to touch her boobs like if if jane could what and jane did and then she was like it was kind of weird because like after i did i knew i would never touch your boobs again what and charlotte was oh and then charlotte's like yeah i know and i asked her daughter like second generate like another generation she's like i asked my daughter if i could touch her boobs and she wasn't like weirded out by it it's like what i don't know that's just so weird to me if my mom ever asked me i'd be like excuse no what the heck like yeah get off me hands to yourself lady yeah like what (laughs) it was a little bit endearing of like this yeah there is a moment where like you raise your child and then you're like now they're an adult you know what yeah, I mean? You're, you're not mine anymore. But you're not mine anymore. So I don't know. I feel like that's also maybe more of a French thing and like 
people just walking around naked all the time. Yeah, exactly. But it was a little weird. And I felt like everyone in the audience was like, excuse me, what now? But it was also a good moment in the documentary because, like, it can't all be just plateau and, like, oh, niceness. You know, it it was a little, like, what the heck? Kind of variety. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Talk about your boobs. Literally. I wrote in my Letterboxd review that this was, like, Grey Gardens, but if they weren't crazy. I love Grey Gardens. Yeah. Oh, me too. Grey Gardens is That's one of my they're wacky documentaries they're so ever. wacky i could watch that on repeat for the rest of have you watched life. the movie i have watched the movie yeah i watched the movie first <gasps> oh I so on docu- accident <laughs> yeah oh, were you looking for the documentary well because they were doing a play production and i wanted to play little edie yeah like little little child edie the, yeah not obviously like young uh, they're, they're both edie right yes. yeah um but like little little so then i was like how do i research this i was like 11 years old and then i like saw the movie and isn't it jennifer moore no who is it it's not like i thought it was like amy adams who is someone someone like that um that's going into drew barrymore that's who i'm thinking drew barrymore yeah you're right oh it's wacky it's on hbo max i'm I'm watching i'm literally gonna watch it when i go home yeah drew barrymore i think she's incredible in it and jessica lang of course okay you're right. It is them. This was besides the point, but it it kind of gave me Grey Gardens. But like, just because it's his mother and daughter and it's like, and kind of them documenting each other. And I loved it. It was really beautiful. I think when it comes out on HBO Max, I'll probably rewatch it. There's also some really beautiful moments where she's just like photographing her mother and then they show mm-hmm. like old photos of her and they go to Serge's old house, who's Charlotte's father. And was the director of like a lot of Jane's films and her partner. So it's really, really beautiful. And and I loved that it was very personal. Is Charlotte shot a lot of it. She's like the director of it. And That's awesome. it's it's her mom. So I was like, oh, I really love that. And like I'd love to do that with my mom, but maybe nobody would be interested because <laughs> we're not Jane Birkin and her daughter. But passion project. Passion project. We'll make it for ourselves. After that, I saw Memoria which is starring Tilda Swinton and this was wacky and I didn't fully understand it and that's okay, but it was mostly about like sound. What? Yeah. It's basically about this woman and she, it took place in Colombia and it was interesting because the director, I apologize. I cannot pronounce his name for the life of me. But he is from Thailand and it was very interesting because during the Q&A he was saying how he was having a lot of trouble making films over there mostly because they, you know, other countries view films differently because unlike in America, the countries will give funding to artists. Therefore, a lot of times when somebody makes a film, they think it could be propaganda and it's against the government and such and such. So he was having trouble making films there. He made a film in Columbia. He met Tilda Swinton at Cannes Film Festival forever and forever ago. I think 17 years ago, they were saying. And that's where this movie premiered, which is kind of full circle. But they met when she was on the jury for it. And they had said, we're going to make a film together. And he had been trying to figure out what they were going to do. And they did this. He visited Columbia and he called Tilda up and was like, this is where we're going to make our movie. So she speaks Spanish in this, even though she does not normally speak Spanish. But they speak Spanish in this. And at the beginning, they basically say about her character, like, oh, you speak enough Spanish to, like, make a poem. So it kind of it kind of gives her a little bit of room to work with. But it was confusing to me. She has this, like, 
boom sound that she hears and it keeps coming back but then towards the end we realize that she can like sense other people's memories the director spoke about how he was having this sound that it literally just comes from your brain and you feel like you hear but you don't so we kind of made a film based on that but it was kind of more about other things it was kind of a little bit of everywhere but I have to say the most interesting part of this film is the way that they're releasing it oh it is going to be very hard to see I have to say I saw it at the film festival obviously that's what we're talking about but they spoke of how this is going to be distributed by Neon and how it's going to only play one theater at a time and it's going to tour. What? Yeah, that was at least my understanding. So basically the idea, and Tilda said it very, very well, you could tell that she was prepared to answer this question. She was prepared to defend this. She was saying after the pandemic, the three things that people will say they miss the most is friends and family, the movies, and live music Mm. and she said when we love a band we will buy tickets for them eight months in advance we'll put the ticket on our fridge we'll listen to all the songs right before we go to prepare and people should treat film the same she said a lot of people will say that this is like an elitist concept to you know have the film only here and there but she said basically in better terms i'm super paraphrasing but she was saying how you know she urges people to think of it more of like a rare way and an artistic way of seeing it and honoring the art and how it's going to be kind of more touring to theaters and that's how people are going to see it and how it's hopefully going to make people you know want to watch the work of the director before to kind of prepare for it and have this build that other art gets, you know, a, a gallery or a showcase or a dance piece or a national tour or a concert will tour to your town. And that's when you go see it. And I think it's a really interesting idea for film to do the same. Uh, I'm obviously very privileged that I live in New York. I have access to the New York Film Festival. I don't know how I'd feel about this film if I was still living back home. Because I probably absolutely would never have the chance to see this. I don't see this film coming to um, a town of like 18,000 people in Maine. But this uh, was very interesting. I have to say that I think if I had prepared for this for eight months like her example was I would be highly disappointed I (laughs) decided to see this film the night before and not even the night before literally three hours before and that was enough anticipation for me I didn't need any more hype around it and it kind of just did its thing it was very very artsy Tilda Swinton's Tilda Swinton in this it's her just being a wackadoo I mean she, I mean she's in, she's incredible but she's just she's just wacky to me um they also did 14 minute long takes at a time mm. so a lot of this is just a still shot and nothing moves and it almost looks like it's an image and then suddenly something in the frame will move so that was very interesting it was it was almost like meditative And it's mostly just sound. I really appreciated the director said he came to the Alice Tully Hall where they played like the larger films at the film festival and worked to curate the sound of the film specifically for that hall, for that screening. That's beautiful. So you can tell that, I mean, I just, I like the idea that, you know, taking art and taking films seriously. And, you know, if let's say a production of Rent was touring to a theater, yeah, they would have a whole sound check. 
Of course. So why wouldn't we do the same with films? You know, it, it just seems like nowadays it's like you press play and it starts and you you press play on your watch for anything, you know, and it it, right. it, it starts. So I think this is a this is an exciting concept and I, I did appreciate that. It's a really interesting concept. I will say I kind of hate the idea of a film touring though because mm. for me the point of film has always been that it is accessible right and it's something that's tangible that can give you a look at the world beyond your given circumstances at the Mm. moment and can open your eyes to different walks of life and different perspectives so the thought of making film even more quote-unquote elitist like theater like Mm. high art you know like when paintings tour through right uh art museums and that kind of stuff slightly rubs me the wrong way because that concept also is part of you know capitalism Mm -hmm. and and wealth and makes you think that you have to be wealthy in order to consume movies which is not true right but um definitely an interesting concept i'm curious to see how it does yes yeah i also don't think that this is a film that people are going to even know about yeah true i wouldn't have known about it personally if i hadn't gone to the festival it was made for going already That's a good point. That's a very good point. The final film, though, that I saw at the festival went out with a bang. It was Parallel Mothers, starring Penelope Cruz, directed by Pedro. I can't say his last name, so he's Pedro, and that's probably enough. He wears sunglasses. You've probably seen him. I really, really loved this film. It was rooted in the history of Spain and how after the war, a lot of people were buried, but they didn't know where. They didn't get a proper burial, Mm. and connecting to that – but also this crazy story about these two mothers. And I really don't want to give too much away. I urge you to watch this. It had Netflix sign playing in the beginning, but it wasn't the same intro that the American Netflix have. So I want to say it's going to come out in the U.S. on Netflix. I really, really enjoyed this. I thought that it was very well done. It had a lot of comedic moments, a lot of beautiful dramatic moments. I am really excited for other people to see this movie. Again, it is supposed to be coming out in December, (laughs) which is, is great because that's, you know, when all these films are coming out. So December will be a very busy month. We will be talking about 25 million movies we're gonna have to watch like two movies a week now guys oh yeah we're gonna watch a million um yes it is distributed by sony which i should have known because i literally talked to a guy from sony right before this film and he told me i'm here for this film because i work for sony so now i'm putting all the pieces together (laughs) um yeah so maybe it's not coming out on netflix i don't know where i actually got that from oh my gosh anya taylor joy was supposed to be in it (gasps) oh that would have been good but i you know what this is a newcomer. The other girl, don't know how to say, her name is Milena, and she is a newcomer, and I want to say that this is her first film. It was a great, great film. It's very interesting. It's about these two women who have babies, parallel mothers, but also the history of the country. Um, This film, I'm actually 
writing a paper on for one of my film classes. And it was kind of one of those things that I was like, okay, I'm going to write my paper that I have to write about one of the films that I see. And I hadn't like actually actively like taken notes during any of them except Memoria and then this. And after watching, I was like, oh, good. This was actually the perfect film to write my paper on. I'm so glad that I saved it for this one. I really, really enjoyed it. And overall, this was a very successful New York Film Festival for me. Yeah. I mean, the other two years that I've gone, I've only seen two films each year at it. I, like in the other episode, I said I saw The Irishman and Marriage Story. And then last year saw Nomadland and The French Exit. And this year, I think I've made it to 13 films, I think. It was, it was like a movie or two every day. And... I felt fully immersed. It was very, very exciting. Today was my last day at the festival. I feel a little bit sad about it, but I have like a little volunteer party on Thursday that I'm going to. So I'm excited to have like one last hurrah, even though I don't think they're going to be playing a film at it. But um, now I feel like I need to go home and like watch movies over and over. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's gotten me into that routine, which I'm excited about. And I can't let it drop because I've been loving just absorbing films and a lot of foreign films that I otherwise would mm-hmm. have not seen. I had never seen a foreign film at the festival and I, you know, there's people forget about them if you don't live in that country exactly. uh, and it's not Parasite people aren't watching it you know what I mean exactly. so it was exciting to watch a lot of um, new films and be in rooms with people that love films and yeah overall it was so exciting and that's a wrap on today's episode and that's also a wrap on the New York Film Festival Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. And you can follow us on Instagram at The Cinema Chicks and on TikTok at Cinema Chicks. And if you want to be friends, you can follow me on Instagram at Madeline Daisy Rancourt and on Letterboxd at Madeline Daisy, where I've rated and reviewed all of these films. <laughs> or you can follow me on Instagram at Hope Johansson and on Letterboxd at H Joha. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad we had that talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.